Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us here on a sunny day in a very deserted city of Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the microscope. I'm Scott Challoner and I'm joined on the programme today by Ewan Gordon. Ewan is the Managing Director at Salt Air Brewery, a brewery based in Shipley. Ewan, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us today. Hi, nice to, uh, nice to talk to you, Scott. So uh, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, fantastic having you as well. Now, um, this podcast, first and foremost, um, is all about the topic of leadership and really gathering your take on that. So what does that word leader actually mean to you? Uh, leader, I think, means to me personally, it's the presence of someone or something uh, which provides direction, um, coherence, and uh, um, sort of structure uh, around um, wanting to be able to deliver the objectives of the business, really. Absolutely. And um, how would you describe your own leadership style in running the business? Um, I've been leading this business now for about five years. So I came in um, as a sales manager um, and then after four years took over uh, the, the kind of leading of the business. In terms of my style, Hopefully, uh, relatively relaxed, um, relatively uh, straightforward, and I, I very much believe in leading from the front. So it's probably less of a management style, certainly in, in terms of people, but more of a, um, a leadership in terms of um, getting stuck in. You know, um, my role these days as the company's got bigger. It's far less hands-on than it used to be, but at the same time, I, I expect um, that anything I asked of my team to do, uh, I'm able and willing to do uh, the same as well. So pretty hands-on um, and hopefully relatively relatively laid back, but nice, clear and concise, and just I think that really helps with leadership. I think um, taking a little bit of a backseat with leadership and sort of letting people stretch themselves and go out of their comfort zone can certainly be uh, quite beneficial. But sometimes as well, particularly early on in a leadership role, it is quite good to sort of get stuck in, as you say, get your hands dirty and lead by example as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think I've come a long way in my um, leadership skills over the last five years. You know, we've had a we've had some major challenges um, within the business. We've just expanded the business uh, over the last three years by putting in a new brewery, new packaging plant, and um, that really challenges those skills. Um, and you do, really do need to, as our business has grown from. Um, probably fourfold over the last few years, certainly in terms of people. Um, uh, the, the ability to, to lead in that way is probably reduced somewhat, but at the same time, um, understanding the challenges that your management team face um, and making sure that the, the infrastructure and in the business is there to support everyone um, with the business objectives. Um, it's, it's a big learning curve, but also that putting in the right infrastructure to, to support that team is incredibly important so that they can, uh, with confidence, go and deliver the business objectives. And um, you talk about learning curves there. Um, business um, in general is um, going through one hell of a learning curve at the moment, isn't it, with COVID-19 and attempting to navigate that outbreak. Um, have you ever encountered um, a challenge like this in your business career before and had to take decisions like you're having to take now? 
We, uh, yeah, I mean, we had a very challenging time 18 months ago for for various reasons within the business, you know, uh, m- massive market changes uh, combined with a, a very ambitious um, expansion. So um, over the last two years, probably, our business has kind of been through the mill a little bit. Um, but what that's done is it's um, put us all as a business on an incredibly uh, good footing for dealing with adversity, I'd say. And I think throughout the business, everyone has seen the challenges that present themselves now as a another hurdle, you know, another challenge. And I think what I've seen locally, regionally within our sector uh, is so overcrowded with, with people in the brewing industry. But I saw a lot of people really um, kind of not know what to do. They, they just pretty much closed down, thought it was, you know, took the, the, just the, what they saw at the time was the easiest and safest alternative. Um, but for us, it, that was never an option. It was about um, diversifying the business further, um, making good, solid decisions uh, and doing it quickly. So we've probably, uh, we put the packaging plant as a big part of that. So because we bottle our beer and other people's beer, um, especially for supermarkets, you know, um, we are incredibly busy on that side. We're also doing a home delivery service that we turned around really quickly. Um, and we seem to have hit the nail on the head for the consumer really well. So we're clear in what we do. We deliver exactly what we say we're going to deliver. And we had the infrastructure and the um, uh, the ability to deliver that beer throughout the whole of West Yorkshire that we did quite quickly. So I think the challenges that this has presented itself um, as it happens, the adversity that we went through and the pain we felt over the last two years for, for a number of reasons, you know, actually now I look at the team and I, uh, I'm really proud of how they, they've taken that learning and they are now just rolling with the punches really. Absolutely. And you talk about that word resilience there, which is uh, so, so important as well. Um, do you think it's possible in a leadership context to actually become a good leader without having to become resilient? So say, for example, going through experiences where you're out of your comfort zone, you're facing difficult challenges and you're learning from that experience. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, the resilience, it definitely comes from, from experience, you know, how, however that might um However, you might develop it through your personal side or, or your your business life. But um, the resilience of our business now has come from the challenges that we've faced and some of the, the things that we've really looked at improving and implementing over the last two years, especially, I think, you know, we've put a big store on um, our governance while we've expanded um, and also our people. You know, a lot of the things that we, we've, we've tried to improve our communication, we've improved, made sure all the way throughout the business that we look after people. It's one of our sort of major foundations and cornerstones of the business is, is people focused. Um, and I think that that pays dividends. And I think, you know, we've spent a lot of time on the softer side of business, which is um, making sure that some of those things that can be easily forgotten, uh, we put the hard work into the softer skills in terms of the people. Um, and and that helps for the resilience, you know, it's, it's sometimes tough going and um, you don't always at the time feel the benefit of the softer stuff. But um, I, I'd say the resilience 
for me, it's, it's experience led. Really, you, I've always been quite a resilient person, but um, you, 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 once you're tested, you, you start start to see how how strong people are and how how flexible people are um, as well. And once you've been through it a couple of times, you know it's more it's less of a it's less. It doesn't phase you. It's just it's just a, a, a new shape of a challenge that presents itself. You do hear it quite often said, don't you, that times of adversity do bring out the best in people and that people can really surprise you during that time as well. And it's good to hear, of course, that that resilience is uh, transferring them into the uh, the business for those experiences. And um, we've talked a lot there, you, know, you and um, through through those experiences about um, sort of your leadership style and how the business has adapted to deal with adversity and become resilient. But what would you say are the influences behind that style of leadership that you've implemented? Uh, the leadership, probably from um, part of my um, growth within this business and, and other businesses, I've been involved in uh, a lot of different industries, a lot of different businesses. Um, but the leadership and, and the learning that I've had, so my the owner of the business who's, who's now retired but still sits as a chairman, um, he has a, a 30 years of experience and I, I've learned a lot from him. Um, and the other, the rest of the management team. We've actually got a very strong management team, and we regularly spend time together, learn from each other. Um, and then on top of that, probably especially on my journey, um, uh, I worked very closely with uh, a very good uh, now friend of mine who was my mentor for about four years, um, and he had very big business. Um, acumen really from from the nhs actually so um and all kinds of other businesses so um and he actually helped me step out of myself to to look at myself and understand um my my personal leadership techniques and skills um and to understand where i was strong where i was weak and then develop uh those other areas so that i can hopefully uh become a more more rounded leader um and and just have a really good awareness really um that was um uh, his name was john buick and uh, he's still very closely connected with the business and myself um but yeah that the just that mentoring the ability to have someone there to have resource there um and we're a very supportive team um from the chairman right down through the management structure um always looking to to, to work as a group and I think that that's really helped shape both my leadership and the, the, the direction of the business. And I think the key message that comes from that example there, Ewan, is for people who are about to start their first day um, in a leadership role and embark on that journey, is to surround yourself with people who are experienced, who can be mentors to you, and who can get the best out of you, but also you can do the same thing vice versa and get the best out of them. It's a massive message, isn't it? It is a massive message. Yeah, I wouldn't be sitting here talking today about this subject without those people and without that um, experience and infrastructure around my learning. Um, there's absolutely no way. And it's just, uh, it's really powerful. Um, and uh, those people, and, and I'd love to do something um, similar maybe later down my career path with uh, other people in business and to, to help um, pass on some of these skills and, and explore them. And even even now, I think, you know, we've helped 
we've helped a couple of local breweries. Um, I think re-engage with the with um, keeping their businesses open. You know, there was a couple of people who I'm dealing with as on the contract side who had they had much bigger challenges than me, especially on the on us uh, in terms of the people front. Uh, they affected far greater, but. Uh, I think I managed to to really convince them to stay in the fight um, and to not just probably close shop and hope for the best. And I think on both both counts that I can think of, um, just helping them, you know, with the confidence that it's going to be all right and you've just got to go for it. Um, they, they've both been very grateful for that because now they're, they're seeing the benefits and their businesses are still going um, and and they're seeing opportunities to come. Absolutely. And um, if we do think about the future uh, now, you and before we do uh, wrap things up on the programme today, um, do give me an idea of what you imagine the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Saltaire Brewery and also what you hope to achieve in that time, particularly going through this COVID-19 pandemic and then out of the other side of that. I think um, from the brewing world, we want things to get back to normal. In fact, the world as a whole, you know, I think we've all had a bit of a, a bit of a shock, really. Um, history tells us that these things happen, um, but it's been a, a bit of a shock for everyone. So getting back to some form of normality, whatever that might be in the future, would be good. You know, we lost 40% of our business um on the day of lockdown uh, pretty much with with the pubs restaurants and bars and we're an incredibly the world it's an incredibly social place isn't it and these are the hubs um where people relax where they meet people um and it would be great to first and foremost see uh, i know it will take time but some some ability for these places to function again to hopefully survive to keep providing that uh, much needed um place for people to relax and, and, and socialize with each other etc but uh, further than that um whether we get into another lockdown depending on obviously vaccines etc i think for Saltaire, we focus on what we do um we are, have created an incredibly diverse business over the last two and a half years and that was quite a business strategy also. So we identified the oversaturation in the market. Um, and at the moment, we we moved our business over the last two, two and a half, three years to not just being a, a producer of good cask beer and some bottles. We now do all formats of beer, but we also put our beer into food. Uh, we work with manufacturing. Uh, we work with all the supermarkets. We do export. Um, we're now doing a home delivery service so I think it's just to continue to always explore options um, to promote the good products that we make promote our values our brand um, and I think just to help where we can within our local areas and, and community and uh, just to continue to support people provide work um, and uh, but I, I, I see a good good future for Salter. This has been a positive thing that we've 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 stayed in there. We've stuck at it, um, and I think we'll be in a good place to hopefully supply those bars um, when they reopen. Because I think a lot of breweries will take quite a while to get going again. So uh, hopefully we can be there to to not just support the consumer at home at the moment, but we'll be able to get some pubs. Uh, when they are allowed to open, uh, we'll get them moving really quickly because we will have that supply um, so that they can welcome those patrons back through the doors. 
certainly seems like there's a lot of ambition there throughout the uncertainty you and which is all you can uh, do really and you know what i think would be fantastic for all the listeners is if in the next few months we could perhaps have you back on the program to look at this retrospectively and maybe see how the business is doing and how things are developing within the industry as the fog begins to clear but for now i have to say it's been really insightful and an absolute pleasure having you on today's program and thank you so much for taking the time to come on and speak with me today perfect uh, Sam, thank you very much for uh, for your time, and uh, yeah, well, I'd be happy to speak again in a few months' time. That's fantastic to hear you, and and thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, coming up next on today's program, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with former professional footballer and 1966 World Cup winner Sir Jeff Hurst. I hope you enjoyed listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff, and that's coming up next. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess. There were one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters 
I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence. On me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a, a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn sheet and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? 
Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position and somewhat fortuitously I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg and I think what you've said there uh, Jeff actually does sum that up really well and more than that whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both, they're too long to talk about both questions, 
Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows." <laughs> I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot in the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance around, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact. to younger players coming in into the team laterally, um, yeah. 
and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's neat have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, so many, yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish 
after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. You... We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mindedness, dedication, Dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.